स्पाइस रेडियो और रेडियो रिमझिम सुन रहे हैं आपका कब शब का प्रोग्राम है हमारी घड़ियों में बाद दोपहर के दो बजकर छह मिनट हुआ चाहते हैं अब से लेकर तीन बजे तक आपका और हमारा साथ रहेगा हमारे आज के इस कार्यक्रम में इसका नाम बड़े प्यार से हमने गपशप रखा है क्योंकि इसमें वो सभी बातें जो आज आपकी नज़रों में अटकेंगी खटकेंगी और दिल में समाएंगी उन सबको लेकर हम हाजिर हैं ये बताते हुए कि हमारे स्टूडियो के बाहर का तापमान तेईस डिग्री पॉइंट सेल्सियस है दैट मीन इज गुड टेम्परेचर डॉक्टर साहब स्टूडियो के अंदर हैं इज लुकिंग वेरी नाइस टूडे डॉक्टर साहब क्या बात है यू गोइंग टुडे वाज सेकंड वेंसडे सो आई थॉट आई पुट माय फैब इंडिया आउटफिट जस्ट टू हैव अ कन्वर्सेशन फैब इंडिया वी डोंट डू एनी एडवर्टाइजिंग फॉर फैब इंडिया आई थॉट आई प्लग इट इन एनीवे दैट वाज वेरी नाइस एंड इट्स अ लवली कलर इट सूट्स यू रियली वेल थैंक यू थैंक यू या रियली हैप्पी टू बी हियर यू नो आई लुक फॉरवर्ड and we too and on our listeners too and today you've got a special guest yeah we are, we're going to introduce our guest uh, dr vinith singh a little later yes and um, uh, we're very pleased uh, with the topic she'll he will be talking right so prior to bringing dr singh on the line let's first find out from you what have you been reading yeah i've been quite active uh, because we are doing quite a few round tables on community yeah. engagement that's right and uh, big topic is really um um barriers in the facilitators around why uh, we have increased diabetes in our community so i've been reading a lot about that but for today i have a very special article which i read mm-hmm. and it was in wellness letter from berkeley mm-hmm. and uh, really is what is banana banana yeah everybody kela. talks about banana <laughs> or kela but i thought this article covered it very well okay so i thought we'll share that uh, with our listeners the appeal of banana all right it's the most favorite fruit in north america all right and uh, the article goes on to say that it's the best health bargain in the kitchen oh banana and a strong case can be made that the humble bunch of bananas that might be sitting right now on your counter mm. are the most not only delicious and nutritious but also pound for pound their least expensive items you will find in grocery store mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i'm a fan of banana because of potassium mm-hmm. it carries but i thought that was a very good introduction banana is voted as the most popular fresh whole fruit in united states mm-hmm. us americans consume about 14 pounds of them in a year so okay. fair amount 14 yes. pounds right and as much as up to 27 pounds so banana just like monkeys yeah. is a very popular <laughs> uh, food i love it you know <laughs> uh, there are, banana also has a lot of health benefits and banana is a very complete Uh, food in itself doesn't have all the things mm-hmm. but it does have a very high potassium vitamin c right and fibers and it's a good source of vitamin b magnesium mm-hmm. and other nutrients and the other good thing is the number of calories you get with one uh, standard banana is only about 140 calories okay so you could uh, receive fair amount of calories but not too much So I thought that was a very good article you could have for breakfast I usually have before I leave home one right. banana myself right. and, and it's uh, filling 
Yeah, it's filling mm. and it has fiber mm. and it's a good source of potassium. Um, of potassium. Right. Uh, your daily need for potassium is about 3.5 grams and one banana provides about 350 milligrams. So 10% of one-tenth of it. Wow. So that's pretty good, you know. It is, yes. And it's relatively cheap. You know, it's interesting when banana obviously is not grown in North America. Right. It all comes mostly from South America. Right. Uh, uh, but in spite of the transport cost, when it first was introduced in the United States in 1870s, it used to be about $2 a piece, one banana for $2. But now the price have come down to um, 22 cents a piece U.S., mm. so a little higher, you know. Okay. 99 cents a pound, I think, in right. Canadian grocery stores. Right. But imagine that it travels all the way from South America, Peru, and all those places. Uh, it's a tropical fruit. Yeah, yeah, so Central and South America, and is still able to bring it uh, that much cheaper. So right. this article cover this. Uh, uh, people might wonder why banana prices are so low. Mm. It's because you can grow much uh, larger numbers. Mm. The kind of banana which is popular called Cavendish banana, mm. um, they, you could grow a fair number. So the uh, scale of economies okay. uh, brings the price down. Uh, uh, as I said before, uh, it al allows a certain amount of daily value for minerals right. and most important being uh, potassium. Right. Um, I think uh, it also has uh, Good sugar uh, uh, content in yeah, it, yes, uh, which is good, and also the fiber, you right. know. And uh, I would recommend that it be part of your um, daily uh, diet. Yeah, you can put banana pieces of banana in your cereal every yeah, morning. Yeah, yeah, anything, you know. Uh, yeah. So I think that's what I've been reading. I thought our listeners will enjoy yes, that. Yeah, I'm sure. Now so, this is the time to bring our. Guest, guest, are you yeah. going to introduce our guest? Yeah, yeah it will be a pleasure. <coughs> Excuse me. So, our guest today is Dr. Vinit Singh. Hi, Dr. Singh. Hello, oh, how are you? Hello, hi. Good, thanks for joining. So, Dr. Singh is a consultant psychiatrist at Vancouver General Hospital. Right. And also clinical assistant professor at UBC Department of Psychiatry. Mm -hmm. He was trained in United Kingdom but has been in practice in Canada uh, since 2015. Um, he's a trained psychiatrist with a fellowship of Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons. He's also interested in research. He has published research papers, participate in clinical trials, and also is a medical leader, providing medical leadership to his department uh, as a director and manager uh, so he's a busy person. I had the pleasure of listening to Dr. Singh at a recent uh, session we had on stress at the Burnaby Hindu Temple. Mm -hmm. And I thought it would be very good to have him on this show, and he was very kind to agree. So here he is. So welcome, Dr. Singh, for the show. Okay, thank you, Dr. Garg, and thank you, Shishmaji, for inviting me. And uh, thanks for uh, you know, taking notice to that talk that day. Yeah, it was wonderful to have such a fantastic gathering that day with the house force, so it was fantastic. That's amazing. So as Dr. Garg uh, warned you earlier, 
uh, I will be asking you questions about where were you born, <laughs> why did you become a doctor, was there a particular moment in your life that uh, that the light bulb went on and you said, Mom, Dad, I'm going to be a doctor and not a, just a regular doctor, I want to be a psychiatrist. Yeah. No, these are all relevant questions, isn't it? So, yes. You know, as um, you can uh, probably make out from my accent, I was born in India. Right. And uh, I did my MBBS from um, a very, um, one of the oldest medical colleges in central India in Gwalior. Oh, wow. Uh, you, yeah, some of you must have heard of the Gwalior Grana and, yes. you know, Sindhya's. So, yeah, it was... Uh, fantastic medical college. It was set up in 1946. Mm -hmm. um, and I did my MBBS there and uh, I completed my internship in 97 after uh, the uh, final exam. And then I went to the UK after completing my lab uh, exam. And um, I did some internal medicine for two years there. Right. Um, in UK. Within, within that, yes, within that time scale, I got an opportunity to do a uh, locum, we call it some kind of a temp job in uh, addiction psychiatry. Mm. And that really pulled me into psychiatry. It was just fascinating, you know, trying to get to know people, having a such a holistic, um, you know, feel of uh, an individual. And it was a privilege, you know. People were opening up about their life, and you were connecting with mm. their mind, with their body. Mm. So that kind of got me interested, and uh, you can say that after that, I didn't look back. Mm. I tried. I applied for some of the residency. We call it um, rotation or registrarship there. Right. I applied for some psychiatric rotations, and uh, there's a place in London, and around it's in Essex. I, uh, you know, got my first rotation. And, uh, you know, the, the whole training is about six years post right. uh, MD or MBBS in the UK. It's a little longer than in, uh, than in Canada. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you probably also train for longer hours because right. it encompasses a lot of, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of specialities you have to go through. Mm -hmm. So that was my training there. And then I became a psychiatrist somewhere near uh, in 2000. 7 April, 2nd of April, I remember the precise date. Mm. Uh, you never ne would, never forget the date you get that certificate, you know. <laughs> it, stays, it stays with your life, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, second, so then I became a psychiatrist there in a place called Derby, Derbyshire County. It's near Nottingham, a big city. Right, yes. Yeah. So I was practicing psychiatrist there and I practiced there till November 2015. So, actually, quite a few years, um, you can say nine years. But then, you know, you always, we always have these moments in which we go through, uh, you can say, midlife crisis or some transitions in our mindset. I, my wife always wanted those transitions. So, yeah, we, we decided, we felt that we, uh, you know, we will look at life beyond the UK and you know, maybe we felt that the grass is greener on the other side. So <laughs> we came to Canada with, we didn't realize what I was getting into in terms of all the stresses that you have to do. We have to take in terms of exams and you know all the transitions but you know here we are and since then i've been a psychiatrist here so i work predominantly in um, inpatient but i also have some outpatient responsibilities i do some a little some private practice in anxiety disorders and adhd as well so that's the remit of my job and wonderful welcome and uh, really 
I think uh, we are so happy that we have so many psychiatrists. You know, I noticed psychiatry and mental wellness and mental illness uh, must be of interest to our people because very large number of psychiatrists are from India practicing in British Columbia and in Canada. And I think uh, part of it might be our heritage and culture. So really happy to see more of them and uh, welcome. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. So, Dr. Saab, um, <clears throat> this is the time that I stop everybody, interrupt, and say, can I please have a short commercial break and get the program paid for? Okay. So, so, that, <laughs> so that we can continue talking about these interesting and valuable topics. Uh, two minutes of commercial break, and we'll be right back with you, Dr. Singh and Dr. Kirk. Yeah. Stay with us. We'll be right back. स्पाइस रेडियो और रेडियो रमजम सुन रहे हैं आप कब शब का प्रोग्राम है डॉक्टर अरुण गर्ग आज हमारे साथ हैं और उनके साथ आज हमारे गेस्ट डॉक्टर विनीत सिंह हैं जो कि रीड ऑल हिज यू नो क्वालिफिकेशंस डू हैव यू हैव लॉन्ग वंस लाइक दैट टू राइट लाइक एम डी एफ आर सी पी सी एम आर सी पी एस वाई सी एच साइक एंड एम एस सी he's well qualified he's know. very well qualified yeah, most most doctors <laughs> are you know <laughs> sorry i i wasn't taking the mic out of it i was just making it a bit lighter so go yeah, ahead dr so dr singh uh, given your specialty and given your interest we thought we'll talk about specifically about stress and what it means but before we go there maybe we could talk a little bit about mental wellness and mental illness in general and especially in our community uh, over the years uh, this has evolved and over the years certainly in this show and in our show we try to bring mental awareness mental wellness and mental illness awareness to our people because there is always a stigma that people don't want to talk about mental illness so i wondered what your perspective on it and how can we lower uh the stigma associated with mental illness uh, from a south asian heritage point of view yeah you know this is a very relevant question and i think if you um look at all the statistics that's been around you will find that you know one in five of us in our lifetimes will go through uh some form of uh, you know mental illness uh, maybe even higher in some cases because uh, there's a statistics to prove that in Canada uh, 31% of the Canadians will suffer from some kind of an anxiety disorder so when i'm saying disorder i'm not just talking about um, things like stress or uh, you know which is there momentary and it goes away i'm talking about actually a diagnosable condition as per the DSM-5 diagnostic criteria So if you look at the length and breadth of these uh, you know illnesses it is widely prevalent and uh, there is some evidence to suggest that some of it may have gone up and uh, I think um, you know off the line we were talking about how the pandemic affected so I guess that had a kind of a paradigm shift in the in the way that you know I have been uh, experiencing the uh, stress of mental illness you know coming to our uh, coming to our door to VGH in fact So if one looks specifically at uh, the South Asian or uh, whatever you call it here we call it the Asian or the Indian subcontinent uh, you know people in here there is nothing to suggest that the prevalence is uh, less 
population, right? In fact, uh, I can even say that uh, because we are doing so many life transitions, in fact, uh, you know, there's a three group of people, first generation, second generation, third generation. Mm. There's increasing evidence coming out that the, the third generation is more vulnerable. And it's, it's, it's quite intriguing. You wouldn't mm. expect that your parents are settled in here and, you know, you, they are giving you that nurturing tune to, you know, move forward. Why is that happening? I guess there are various different theories. The theory, some of the theories is about, you know, trying to fit in and, uh, you know, the whole uh, societal um, uh, pressures to uh, fit in, culturally fit in, and then, uh, you know, find a niche for yourself. And then this whole um, cultural dissonance, we call it, in terms of, you know, one side of you wants to be on this side or the side of you wants to be on the other side. So demands of, with, with, with the, the, the cognitive demands, as well as I would also say that, you know, more easy access to drugs and alcohol and, uh, you know, fragmentation of the joint families that we had and uh, the friendships that we had and then the mushrooming of uh, uh, the social media and, uh, you know, people's uh, addiction to Internet and, uh, you know, how people are using it as a tool, as, uh, you know, and um, so all these things probably plays a part. Uh, when we talk about how it manifests and mm. the stigma, I would say that we are good at expressing that we are burnt out or stressed out or feeling overwhelmed or angry within the, uh, you know, the family or friend circle. But I think beyond that, perhaps if one starts looking at it becoming like a chronic problem per se, when it takes the shape of the disorder, then maybe we are not that good at uh, seeking help at the right time. Hmm. Uh, having said that, um, the, I mean, through, the, through the government advertisements and, you know, there's um, increasing people's um, uh, exposure to social media and media sources, things are improving, for say. Uh, I, I would surely say that things have improved. But um, I think there's, there's, there's a long way to go, I would say. So in yeah. terms of stigma, for sure, it's there, and uh, more so, I would say, in our kind of population, where we, we are looking at some kind of a quick fix, like, uh, you know, some people want to go to their uh, traditional uh, healers, like, you know, going to the temples or, you know, going to the mosques, etc., to see whether that could be the first point of contact. And um, I will just back it up, and I will end my... Um, you know, this um, the question that you... So there's a lot of studies that was done in um, late 90s and early 2000s uh, by uh, a person called Goldberg, who was uh, kind of a considered one of the czars in psychiatry in uh, the Europe, in the UK. And he did some very powerful studies suggesting that uh, the access to care, or we call it the pathways uh, to care for mental illness among um, patients with uh, South Asian descent uh, there's there's a there's a huge gap before they come to uh, before they come for help. So um, so I guess you know as I again I'll repeat it's a it's, it's a work in progress. Yeah, absolutely, and certainly just I'm sure you're aware we have taken great interest uh, within Fraser Health. We have South Asian Health Institute, and recently with drug toxic crisis, we have produced some special videos targeted 
for the community and they've been very well received. So certainly uh, both the providers and the system is doing its best in trying to make the awareness and programs like this can always help. So I would say that um, awareness is the key and uh, talking about it will go a long ways and uh, our community suffers from it like everybody else. So I think uh, uh, it's work in progress and we'll continue to work on it. Yeah. Yeah. You'd um, mentioned that uh, COVID had a lot to do with it. So when you see patients, do you notice that is it the solitude that many people had that is triggering uh, stress or is it uh, not being able to get back to work and meeting people that was triggering most of your most of the people's stress yeah, you know I mean if you look at this whole phenomenon of covid and it was kind of an unprecedented isn't it in the yes. in our lifetime I mean I don't know where many generations if you ask any generation whether you have seen something like that it was it was unprecedented so mm. I guess, you know, the very fact that, you know, you're being asked to be locked up and everything stopped, I mean, that was um, like a warlike situation, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, March 11th, 2020, when basically WHO, you know, said that it's a pandemic and after that all the lockdowns. So there has been various different studies that have been carried out in terms of looking at um, how it affected individuals. Um, I mean, at first you could easily make out that not having social connections was, it was a huge blow, right? Mm. You're not able to see your uh, near and dear ones. Uh, you're not able to go to work, which gives you a sense of purpose. And uh, there were several industries which got wiped out because of the, you know, the, all the financial pressures a lot of people felt. And, uh, you know, not everybody was able to um, gain the financial assistance from the government, right? Not everybody is uh, clued on and works in that direction, so the whole financial implications of that. And then for me, I think the biggest one was always try, always being stressed out about whether or not I will get an infection, right? Mm. Constant, you're constantly watching yourself and mm. you know, looking here and there. So that, that was a, quite a significant event in itself. So to, just to keep, put it in perspective from the, uh, from the, uh, Let's look at it from the from the data point of view. So, if you look at there's a data on the, um, the Department of Health Canada, and it's uh, you know anybody can go and have a look at it. It's uh, it's, it's titled "Symptoms of Anxiety and Depression During COVID-19 Pandemic," hmm. and uh, they did a survey from February to May 2021, and uh, it said that the COVID-19 COVID-19 pandemic has affected individual families in several ways, and obviously seven out of ten Canadians reported that uh, they have been negatively impacted. Mm -hmm. And um, um, when they actually did a screening questionnaire to look at a disorder, which is anxiety and depressive disorder, mm. um, it, it highlighted that about 15% of the Canadian at that time in those three months they screened positive for generalized anxiety disorder. Wow. And 19% uh, of Canadians screened positive for major depressive disorder. And that's pretty high, right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, there was a preponderance of, um, you know, women in this as well. And uh, 
And it was highest. One of the most significant parts was that it was highest in the age group between 18 and 34. Hmm. So, you know, you would expect probably you can say that, you know, in the middle ages and elderly would be more affected, but it affected our young people. And in parallel, uh, you know, there was at least um, 2.5 to 2 times increase in the rate of heavy drinking and cannabis use and other drug use. And I'm sure you would have been, you know, you all have seen uh, the number of overdoses we have had mm-hmm. uh, in this period. So there was, there was, there was a big jump in, in all this. So you're coming to that stage whereby you had all this lockdown and then there was a lifting as well, right? Yes. So there, there has been manifestations at various different levels. A, if you look at it, um, hundreds and thousands of people got COVID, right? Yeah. Majority recovered. And um, I think thanks to our vaccines, I think majority recover, recovered and, you know, they got back to track. But yet there's a good evidence that but for a significant portion of people, it had both physical and psychological manifestations. And uh, some of it is under research. We are trying to understand what really happened once you, you know, got the COVID. For some people, the lungs got affected. For some people, their other body parts got affected. When the lungs got affected, when you lost your job and, you know, other things happened, obviously, it kick-started that, you know, fight-and-flight reaction, which, you know, I was thinking about talking about. And uh, people couldn't just stop. It, it just went on and on. Yes. Absolutely, yeah. Good thing is that hopefully at least the pandemic is behind us and lessons learned will help us in fighting the next one. But certainly the social interaction is a very paramount. I think uh, we will take a commercial break now. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. we will. Good. <laughs> <laughs> you are tuning in really yeah. well. <laughs> uh, Dr. Singh, please stay with us and we'll be right back. Spice Radio or Radio Room, Jim Sundriyam, Gapshapka program at Dr. Vineet Singh or Dr. Arun Garg. Aaj studios mein we were talking about the effects of COVID and also how people were feeling, you know, alone, isolated. Um, and, the, and doctors have also mentioned that they saw the effect on younger people. You also yeah. talked about that. So, yeah, yeah. So maybe with Dr. Singh we could talk a little bit because I notice the statistics and the numbers are bringing out the anxiety among youth is ever increasing. The use of uh, anxiety drugs mm. in university students is very high. So I just wondered, uh, Dr. Singh, do you have any perspective what may be thing behind it? And I am a big proponent of uh, uh, yoga and meditation as one of the calming effects. So I'll be interested to see what your perspective on that is. No, for sure. We're going to probably talk a little bit about, uh, you know, coping strategies and, um, you know, how to look at some uh, primary prevention for sure. And so I guess if we focus uh, predominantly, if we look at, uh, you know, our younger age group, and I gave you some statistics quoting that, uh, you know, the symptoms of anxiety and depression um, you know, in that uh, survey that was carried out between February and May 2021, published in, uh, on the Department of Health Canada website. Uh, it showed a preponderance uh, of both um, anxiety and depression among people of age groups of 18 and 34. So I think some of the possible causes I feel here, having, you know, myself 
seeing few university students and you know professionals during that time you know around that time i think the, the most powerful one was probably that whole you know the loss of rhythm the loss of routine and the loss of connections which was huge um several people their families illnesses they couldn't connect and um, it uh, you know cascaded into several other um, you know challenges for them uh, exams were postponed the exams were done differently um so that 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 was one at the professional level um a lot of people in the service industry they lost their jobs and uh, that was their source of livelihood um the other important part was that the whole human connection that goes in when you go to work uh, work is you know not just a place where you go there to earn money and you know as a profession but there's also human connections that is established and each time we interact with a human uh, human being it has an impact on us as a as a as a as a person as well so so that was another part and then uh, for young people as uh, they were mostly active and then they have an active lifestyle having to curtail their lifestyle and not being able to engage in some of the excursion trips holidays so you must have noticed isn't it for those two years you know these holidays and everywhere it was very limited kind of the airports were empty people were not traveling so that that obviously had a you know a, a paradigm you know impact in the in on on our emotional well-being and uh, i think it was expected and uh, once in vancouver general hospital we were expecting uh, a flood after that and we are seeing that actually um the number of patients who are coming in now compared to i would say 3 or 4 years ago uh there's a big there's, there's a big the big shift i think our wards are always full people are waiting sometimes the you know we have all, we, we have increased our capacity uh, yet i don't think we have been able to um, meet the demand that has come in and we are trying to understand what went on what exactly happened so we do blame it on the pandemic and i think it will take another one or two years for these adjustments to occur if you look at it from the um you know the whole social perspective um then you can also appreciate that um for many people i guess uh, the uh, employment as well as the drop in the income uh, played a big part and i think in relationships also Yes. Yes, we also also have a caller on the line and the caller would like to ask you a question too. Okay. Um, Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, that should be okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I have a question for Dr. Gurg. Yeah. You had mentioned in the initial that uh, banana is very good. I have a diabetes and a kidney a little bit of kidney problem. is it good for the health or because it loses lot of potassium yeah now in diabetes they did say that generally speaking you should be eating too many uh, sweet fruits right but banana one banana two banana should be okay even in diabetes you mean with the uh, kidney problem uh, banana does not have well you have to watch uh, you don't too, you don't eat too many of those you know yeah, because no, one, uh, with one, the kidney yeah with the kidney uh, but the uh, the amount of potassium in it isn't that much you know 
uh, it's only about 10%. So one banana a day is not uh, unreasonable. Uh, but overall, just have the balance. Uh, so don't go overboard and having 10 bananas or something. No, 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 no. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify, and then uh, does the stress uh, uh, harm the kidney? Stress. Okay, we'll be talking a little bit about stress, but uh, yeah, I think stress, in my view, and I'll be interested what Dr. Singh has to say, stress of any kind is uh, also multi-modular hormones, and all those do have effect on the metabolic parts of the body, and I'm sure kidney is not spared because of that. Okay. Thank you very much, yeah. Mr. Dr. Singh, you do, you have, do you want to add anything to that? No, I think you well said. I think uh, the question was banana-related. I think <laughs> banana is a good stress buster. It yeah. has some uh, tryptophan, and the sugar that you get from banana increases your endorphins. So great stress buster, but as uh, Dr. Greg said, don't overdo it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, banana. You know, the <laughs> just a side issue: the sugar and the fruits is always an issue uh, because uh, yeah. uh, uh, my bigger passion is the diet and the food and medicine, as food as a medicine and the sugar. But interestingly, the sugar which is in the fruits, because it's a complex sugar and it's yeah. tied tied into other polyphenols and etc. It's um, it uh, absorption is not as rapid, you know. Again, within the balance, it should be okay. But uh, like everything, balance is most important. Maybe Shushmaji, we could go into our main topic. Uh, yes. We, uh, uh, so uh, I heard uh, Dr. Singh at the session on stress, and I thought it'll be worthwhile for us to talk about. So I would be very interested in your perspective, Dr. Singh. Uh, what is the stress? as seen through the lens of a psychiatrist and uh, what one could do to minimize it and uh, just general understanding of stress because to me stress is part of life as well so it cannot be that bad so how do you balance that maybe we could share with our listeners your perspective yeah well you summed it up in your last nine that yeah. uh, you know stress is part of who we are as a human being probably who we are as, uh, you know, as uh, in, in the animal kingdom. So stress is kind of an inevitably is, uh, endemic and part of our schema, our makeup. Mm -hmm. So um, stress is uh, something that gets us going and uh, stress, uh, an optimum stress is um, needed to, uh, you know, perform and do your duties and, you know, get ahead in life, right? So, you know, if one looks at from um, an angle of um, uh, uh, biology or as a scientist or as a, you know, as a clinician, um, I mean, there's different definitions of stress. And one of them very prominently featuring in, um, you know, the WHO literature is it's a kind of a, it's a state of worry or mental tension, uh, which is generally caused by a difficult situation. And it invokes the mental, physical, and emotional and behavioral reactions to the perceived demands or threats that are there in front of you. So we can say that, you know, we are feeling burnt out. We can say we are stressed out. We can say we are overwhelmed. Some people say we are angry, irritable, depressed, anxious, you know, on verge of uh, losing it. So there are different uh, ways in which people express this and, you know, they communicate, right? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think if one then tries to pin it down further from the biological perspective, it's, it's an overall physiological and psychological impact, right? Some people will, you know, the listeners here would want to know what is physiological. So physiology is something to do with, you know, our overall body mechanisms in terms of our, uh, you know, the blood sugar, the hearts and everything, the changes that takes place when, um, when, when our body goes through various different phases. So it's an overall physiological and psychological impact. And inadvertently, stress um, invokes the fight or flight reaction. That is vital for survival, right? Yeah. All of you must have heard this, uh, you know, the fight or flight reaction. So what happens when, uh, you know, we feel stress? And um, as uh, Dr. Gert pointed out, it is, you know, part and parcel of, uh, of our lives. So if it is there for short term, fair enough, you know, sometimes we are able to um, do our jobs properly, but then if it goes out of control, then what happens then? So the first thing that happens when you get stressed as a response is your sympathetic nervous system. Um, many of you, you know, going through your biology, you must have heard of these adrenaline and non-adrenaline, right? Yes. The flight and flight response, these are the two um, neurochemicals. So what they do is that as soon as you start feeling uh, stressed out, they start um, pouring in adrenaline and non-adrenaline in your bloodstream. And the response is you get an increase in your heart rate. Okay, Your respiration rate increases. You get a rise in your blood pressure. You start sweating. And uh, in parallel, you have more cortisol produced by the adrenaline gland. Right, So you have a situation whereby your blood sugar um, starts going up because you need energy, right? So sugar is energy. Mm. And uh, you also have a rapid breakdown of proteins and, uh, you know, the fats are mobilized for the energy. And um, some of you must have, um, you know, read up on cortisol. These are uh, uh, some of the basic um, chemicals that uh, is important in inflammatory response and allergies, okay? So just imagine that everything is is getting produced and then uh, there is no stop date, right? So it's, mm. it's, 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 um, it's having an impact on our bodies, right? Yeah. So what can be the long-term effects of stress then? So as uh, you know, one of our callers was pointing out, can it affect our kidneys? Yes, it can, right? How can it affect kidneys? If you are chronically stressed, your blood pressure is going to be high, right? Mm. So when the blood pressure is high, we know that it affects kidneys because your kidneys, blood vessels get uh, broken and then you know, further on, all the kidney abnormalities, they develop. And then as you have got a rapid turnover of fats and, you know, proteins, there's raised cholesterol and more chances of cardiovascular diseases because uh, when we are stressed, hypertension, other things going on, there's more inflammation in your uh, body as well. You have reduced immunity. You, you can have, you know, problems with your memory due to poor concentration. And um, similarly, you know, uh, people have challenges with mental health in terms of insomnia, anxiety, panic attacks, irritability. So all these raft of other things can go on in parallel if somebody has you know, this uh, chronic level of uh, stress in their body, if the neurochemicals are firing and they're not stopping. So that's why I think it's very, very important that uh, we hmm. try and recognize it and we take some remedial actions so that we can stop v Very it. well put. And we'll come back to it. I think we have yeah, a caller. We have a caller. Okay. Line four, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you, Sushma? Fine, thank you. Go ahead. A question for the doctor. 
Uh, what causes uh, high levels of protein in your urine? Okay. Yeah, you, you know, I think it's uh, maybe this may not be the scope of our uh, discussions today, but high level of proteins uh, can be different causes. One of them could be one, sometimes the diet itself, right? If you're if you are consuming a very high protein diet, sometimes the excretion through kidney increases. So that's one. Uh, most importantly, in our population, we should be wary of, number one, wary of uh, uh, some kind of uh, nephropathic changes in the kidneys due to either diabetes or hypertension. Because diabetes and hypertension, uh, it's quite endemic in our population beyond age uh, 50, so it's uh, very common uh, to um, experience, uh, you know, proteins in your, um, in, your, in your urine for that. So that's, that's my... Uh, take on it. I'll, I'll yeah, let, uh, you know, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, thanks, Color, for the question. Uh, proteins, uh, most common protein in the urine is albumin, which is a small enough protein. And the reason it shows up in urine is when uh, in kidney, which is supposed to filter when the blood is filtered, it's, uh, those proteins don't go through. And when the glomerulus is not able to control that, you start to say leaking of those proteins. So that's the most common um, protein uh, in the urine. And as uh, Dr. Singh said, most common cause of, um, of uh, increased protein is related to the filtration not working and filtration is letting these proteins go through, diabetes being the classic example of it and hypertension. So this uh, protein that you said uh, is very minute and it filters through it, uh, where is it derived from? Well, it, uh, there are proteins in the blood what? and the blood... No, I know. Yeah. Diet. But uh, what uh, is it? Any food that uh, creates this protein or...? Yeah, pro it's albumin. Mostly it's the albumin protein. Where does it come from? Uh, in the body? Yeah, but Yeah, it's in the muscles and uh, everywhere. No. Where does it come from? Where does he, where, where, why is okay, he getting yeah. so much? Yeah. I think the whole body is made up of uh, proteins and yeah. fats all with the composition of the body as well as the diet. In order to maintain a certain body mass, we need certain proteins, right? Right. So I guess if one looks at it, where it comes from, it comes from... Uh, is inherent within our body as well as the diet that we take. So if you look at it, the average law of the thumb is you're consuming about, uh, you know, according to your body weight, a half gram to a gram of uh, proteins. Like if you're 70, then you're consuming almost, uh, you know, 50 to 70 grams of protein um, a day. Mm -hmm. So normally in a healthy human being with a good functioning kidneys, um, you know, the absorption and the excretion is quite well maintained. But uh, when there's uh, challenges with your kidneys and the excretion rate, uh, you know, increases, so thereby you develop deficiency of proteins to some extent, and some people, as a result, compensatory, they developed uh, swelling, et cetera, et cetera. So these are, it's a kind of a topic in itself, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I think, uh, caller, uh, pr this protein is synthesized in the body itself, in the liver, and then it gets into incorporated yeah. into everywhere. So if specifically it comes from the liver uh, body synthesized from the amino acids okay thank you caller thank you okay we're going to take a very short commercial break and come back so dr singh please stay with us 
and Dr. Garg, please stay with us. We'll be right back. This is our final commercial break. Spice Radio or Radio Ramjim Sundriyam Kapshap Ka Program hai. Dr. Garg ke saath aaj Dr. Vineet Singh bhi hai. And uh, final words from Dr. Singh about uh, stress. And yeah. How to, how to overcome stress and what can one do to reduce stress uh, if possible. Um, uh, by the way, your explanation of stress was wonderful, incorporating physiological, pathological, emotional well-being, and that's a topic in itself, and we'll, maybe we could explore further. But maybe we could talk about, in remaining time, uh, how to reduce and how to minimize yeah. stress. Sure, as I was uh, talking before, it's very important to recognize stress and uh, we should stop it uh, from becoming to a state whereby uh, it uh, converts into anxiety, which is uh, DSM-5 disorder, right? So there's a very fine line between stress and anxiety, right? So some people say that stress is often, not some people say, it's understood that stress is invoked by these external triggers. I mean, if you find that in spite of the fact that the triggers are gone and you're continuing to be stressed and you worry excessively about things in the absence of stress, then you should be thinking about, you know, the anxiety disorder. Um, the problem is that the, the, the symptoms are quite identical. So one has to uh, be wary of that. But the duration is very important if it continues for weeks and months and it's important then to seek help. So what can we do? to uh, reduce stress. And if all of you must be exposed to plethora of things on the, you know, on, on, on the internet. Most importantly, harness your support system. Find someone to talk about your feelings and experiences. Very, very important. Um, I could not emphasize more on this. And change your attitude. You know, find alternative way of thinking about a situation. I would say life is 10% what happens to us and 90% of how we react to it, okay? Always do some self-talk. Say, I can handle it. You know, I, I, I can manage it sometimes. Some self-talk helps. And set some realistic goals and, you know, develop also some realistic expectations of yourself. And, you know, often we push ourselves too much and, you know, then we set ourselves for disappointments and then continuing stress. So have the courage to recognize your limits. Very, very important. And, um, you know, similarly, if one looks at uh, getting organized, um, easier said than done, but very, very important to develop some productive habits and, you know, take responsibility of your life. Be proactive, you know, uh, look at the problems and the solutions beforehand. Maintain a diary of things. Write down the list of things that, uh, you know, you need to do the next day. And always, always take breaks. Give yourself me time, right? So always have some, you know, some, some breaks. Body, we need fuel, and you know we need some cooling down as well. So always important in a day to take some uh, regular breaks. And uh, you know, uh, I cannot emphasize enough of eating in time properly, rest, and do something that you enjoy um, every day. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's very important. Uh, sometimes what happens when we feel overwhelmed, we tend to eat poorly, we sleep less, we stop exercising. And we generally push ourselves harder. So we are doing the opposite, right? And this can tax your immune system and cause us to become very ill. Most often than not, how many times have you heard people saying, oh, I was quite stressed out, I didn't sleep very well, then I got cough and cold. So these things also come in, uh, in tandem. Um, so be very um, uh, particular about it. And um, then 
learn a habit to say no if you feel that you cannot do something. Protect yourself. Don't allow yourself, uh, you know, to say yes uh, to everything. And um, doing so does not mean that you're a bad or a self-centered uh, person. That means that you're more compassionate to yourself. And regular exercise, I can't emphasize enough. I know we are running out of time, but very, very important, exercise regularly. It's evidence-based that people who exercise regularly, they are healthier, less stressed, and it's backed up by a number of research trials, uh, including randomized control trials. And, you know, try and slow down, you know, know your limits, cut down on the number of things you try to do each day. Uh, very, very important, especially important for immigrants like us, where we try to push ourselves, we feel insecure, <laughs> we are constantly pushing ourselves to do different things. Right. And, you know, use humor, you know, yeah. do something funny, laugh, and uh, develop some relaxation techniques, as uh, Dr. Garg mentioned, try yoga, meditation, simple quiet times, all these things are helped. Both yoga and mindfulness are evidence-based interventions. For and participate Thank in Gapshap as much as you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and eat bananas. Uh, in <laughs> very good. Well, thank, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Singh. Okay, thank you yeah, so much. Really and, enjoyed uh, it. Yeah. Uh, we'll do it again. again. Yeah. Thank you. There's a lot we could talk. So yeah. thanks again and good luck. Okay, thank bye. You. Thank With that we come to the end of our show. वो सभी बातें जो आज आपकी नजरों में अटकी खटकी और दिल में समाई उन सबको लेके विल बी है टूमारो स्टेट्यून फॉर द ड्राइव होम ग्राइंड विद डी जे फ्लाइट एंड माई आर राइट एयर ऑन स्पाइस रेडियो एंड योर रिक्वेस्ट ऑन रेडियो रिमझिम विद नूतन